Good morning, church. My name is Brody. I'm the student ministries pastor here at the Highlands, and I got the call at 7 p.m. last night that Pastor Aaron wasn't feeling so well. So I dug into my pocket, found a, a sermon that I, that I wrote actually for our winter retreat last year. So instead of switching up anything that kind of geared it towards students, we're just going to run with it. So you're going to get a glimpse into a winter retreat this morning. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for you guys. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us. God, I lift up Pastor Aaron and Mel as they're not feeling well from our trip, God, and I pray that they would have a quick recovery um, and that they'd be able to get back to the things that life is requiring of them as, as parents and husbands and wives and um, the things that all the things going on with the building right now, God. But there is, there's a reason that you have this message prepared for this body of people this morning, and so I pray that through me you'd speak um, to these people. I pray that these words would be yours and not mine, and that um, um, people would walk out of here feeling different about who, um, who they are in your eyes. And so bless this time, God, in your name I pray. Amen. So just to give you a little context about this message, in this, on this winter retreat, we were on a, uh, the, the series we were going through was called Agape, A Love Like No Other. Looking at how God's love for you and for me is, is so sacrificial and so unconditional, and the way that we can prove this, that we can see this, is in the names of God. And so the name of God that we're going to look at this morning is Elohim, that he is your creator. Now, I want responses by asking this question. When you think of creation, what do you think is the craziest or most amazing wild thing that God created? I want to hear. What? A platypus? Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, what else? The ocean? Okay. Giraffes. That's a neck on that thing. Yeah. What else? One more. Space. Yeah, space. Me too, for sure. I want to show you guys some of the crazy things that our God has created and share a few facts of them with you. First off is the narwhal. The narwhal can live up to 90 years. They can get up to 18 feet long. All narwhals are born with two teeth, but only males keep their left tooth, which turns into the spiral tusks that you see. Narwhals are among the deepest diving animals in the world that can dive up to one mile in depth. Pretty cool. Next one, a blobfish. Oh, let's go blobfish next. They can live up to 130 years. <laughs> They're an average of 20 pounds. And a blobfish actually looks like a completely normal fish in its usual environment because at deep sea, uh, the bony fish under the intense pressure looks like a normal fish, but when you take it out of the water, it looks like that, I don't know what, um, 130 years, yeah. The next is a jewel wasp, the one you just showed. The jewel wasp eats cockroaches. Now, the jewel wasp um, paralyzes cockroaches with venom to the head, turning them into zombie-like creatures with seemingly no free will of their own. Although the cockroach is capable of movement, they seem unable to direct themselves, and in their zombie drunken light state from a deadly dose of neurotoxins, they will follow wasps' encouragement directly into its burrow. <laughs> God made that. Okay, the middle schoolers were way like, wow. 
Not like you guys right now. That was way cooler with the junior hires. The last one, this is called an axolotl. An axolotl is between 6 inches and 15 inches in length. There's only one species. And these creatures' trick is the astonishing ability to regenerate body organs and limbs. It can regenerate its lungs, spinal cord, heart, and even its brain. It can do this with any limb up to five times without scarring. The branches on each of its side of its head are gills. So that is an axolotl. Animals are incredible. They're amazing. And God created all of them, and we get to see God's creativity through creation. The mind-boggling details and intricacies of creation only point to a single creator. We look at the stars in the sky and see the vastness of what he's made. We see trees, and, and they know to reach to the sky for rain and sun to survive. And we see ecosystems and how every animal is important for it to function properly. And I think from time to time, whether you're at the zoo or you're outside on a walk, creation catches us by surprise, and we remember just how incredible our God is at creating things. But then we look at ourselves. And for many of us, the feeling is not what an incredible creator my God is, but instead we become anxious because we don't feel good enough. We think I'm too short. I don't have enough money. I'm not pretty. I weigh too much. I'm not cool enough. I don't have her face or I don't have his athleticism. I don't have that family's finances or sins from our past make us feel a certain way. I'm not loved. I'm not valued, I'm worthless. And throughout our days, we wrestle with these thoughts, whether you realize it or not. All the time, we are struggling with basing how we view ourselves on how the world sees us. And Satan can get us to believe these lies when we don't know or we don't hold on to the truth that is from God in Scripture. And we feel this pressure from society to look, act, and be a certain way, which in often cases, adds up to perfection, right? And so when you don't meet that criteria, we become anxious and we experience low self-esteem, but that same culture also attempts to provide a solution for this problem. They say, you just got to love yourself. It doesn't matter what other people think of you or not. You just got to love yourself. You need to learn to love your imperfections. If the world doesn't find you perfect, all you got to do is think and believe that you are, and that's when life will get better and you'll feel loved. Do you see what the world is trying to find? They're trying to find this agape love, an unconditional, sacrificial love, a love that our God gives us. We are being told to unconditionally love ourselves from the world, regardless of how you look, how others see you, what someone else has told you to love yourself. And you know why you are told to love yourself is because they're wrong, it's because you are pretty, it's because you are good looking, it's because you do have enough followers, it's because their opinion is irrelevant. But you see the problem with loving yourself for this reason, it's, be it's because it's from a place of pride. It's because I'm right or I'm better and you're wrong. And this may get you by for a time. You may feel better for a moment, but this is not the lasting reason as to why you should love you. 
Loving yourself for this reason will not satisfy that part of your soul that God placed in you that only he could fill. You see, God wants you to love you, but he wants you to love you for a different reason. In Matthew chapter 10, in verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for one penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus is saying the most basic bird, he's exaggerating, but the most basic bird, the most basic animal that I have created, that God has created, there's so many of on this earth, you can buy two of them for a penny. They're basically so cheap, they hold no earthly value. But if I care for the millions and millions of sparrows, if I care for them, how much more will I care for you? The only creature that walks this earth that holds a soul. Scripture takes this thought to the next level in Psalm chapter 139, verse 16, or starting in verse 13 through 18. And this is where we're going to spend our time. It says, for you, this is David speaking to God. He says, for you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I made when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where I count, where, where I too count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What you need to understand are these two words, fearfully and wonderfully made, in verse 14. This word fearfully in Hebrew is yare, and this word fearfully means to fear, to be afraid, to stand in awe of, or to cause astonishment in awe. In other words, when he created you, God was afraid of messing it up. He cared so deeply that he could not fathom the thought of getting you wrong. Imagine the, 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 the work that you put into making a model airplane, right? All the little pieces that have to go in the exact right location or the painting that you have to do or when you have a draw, when you're, when you're drawing, like one, one mark of a paint, uh, a, 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 a paintbrush or a pencil would, would ru ruin the painting. And so how you care for that piece of art is how God cared for you. God wasn't going to get it wrong when he created you. He cared deeply about the final product that he was making. And this second word, wonderfully, pala, P-A-L-A-H, means to be distinct it means to be marked out, to be set apart, and to be wonderful. You are not like anybody else. When God created you, 
he needed to make sure two things. One, that he was exactly who he created you to be. And two, that you would be like nobody else. God was saying, when I was done with you, I cared so much and I put so much detail into you and took, the, took my time that I stood back in awe and astonishment because of who you were and because you were like nothing else I had ever created before. You guys, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you exactly who he wanted you to be and when he was finished creating you, you took his breath away. He was amazed at you. And so I want to ask the bands to come back up. And I want you guys to close your eyes. Because I want to paint a picture for you. <clears throat> I want to paint a picture for you of what it was like when God made you. So if you would, if you'd close your eyes with me. I want you to imagine God in his workshop. I want you to imagine God in his workshop. I want you to see him turn on his overhead light on over the desk. I want you to see him preparing his tools and prepping his workplace for the one-of-a-kind masterpiece that he is about to create. The project on the agenda for today is you. He begins to assemble the basics of every human being, a couple legs, a couple hands, feet, some lungs, some biceps. But then he starts to alter, to make the piece unique. He adjusts the length and the width of your hands. He attaches hair that is brown or blonde or black, curly or uncurly. He takes away a little height and saves it for another creation like Mark Brower. He adds a little more weight than when he started. He adds that funny toe that bends a little to the right. He decides what eye color will describe you best. And he moves to the things unseen. He curates an emotional range that makes you, you. Adding a little more of a temper, a little deeper of a lover. Compassion to your heart. Gives you passion for the unique set of things that will make you love, that you will love in this life. He tunes in your heart to what will bring you joy. He adjusts what will bring pain and what you will be able to endure. And lastly, he created your heart that had the makeup of all of these parts. And after his careful, strenuous process that he could not have possibly cared more about, he was finished. And when he was finished, he took a step back and looked at what he made. He looked at you. And he was amazed with astonishment and in awe of you. Because you were perfect in the fact that you were exactly who he wanted you to be. 
We let ourselves and other people add labels to us like stickers that say you're not good enough, you're too weak, you're not worth something, you're dumb. We let the world do this to us, but what God is saying is not to see these lies, but to see yourself how he sees you. That you were fearfully and wonderfully made. This is the depth of God's love for you. That he would go to such great lengths to make you exactly who he wanted you to be. That is the unconditional, sacrificial love that God has for you. He is Elohim. He is your creator. And he made you in his image. And this is why we can find fullness in knowing that we're loved and how to experiencing lasting love for ourselves. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, we, we love because he first loved us. We agape because he first agaped us. We can unconditionally love ourselves and we can unconditionally love others because he first unconditionally and sacrificially loved you and me. This is why we don't need to figure out how to love ourselves in the perfect way or need to seek love from this world as long as we see ourselves as the way God sees us, as in awe of you and as perfect as he exactly wanted you to be. You will experience the agape, sacrificial, unconditional love that your heart desires to experience. Find your identity in him and who he says you are. Find it in Psalm 139, verse 14, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. He created you. And what he thinks of you is how we should view and think of ourselves. And when we rest in that truth, that's when peace comes. That's when love experience becomes something that we actually embrace. God's name, Elohim, he is your creator. This proves this love to you and me. He didn't, we weren't on an assembly line. You and I are one of one, and that matters. That shows his love for you and me. God, I thank you for these people in this room. I thank you for this truth that you care so deeply about not only space and trees and creation and the animals that, that, that fly and walk and swim, but most importantly, us. Like, what? That you love us so deeply that you, you formed us uniquely. We each bear your image in a different way, in a different light. God, I pray that this truth would just sink into our hearts, that we'd maybe realize just for the first time this love for you through who you created us to be. That your word speaks to us in this way. And this love doesn't change. This agape love, this unconditional sacrificial love doesn't change. Which is why we don't need the world's opinion of us to form how we see ourselves. We only need your word. And I pray that as each of us walk out of here this morning that we would 
see ourselves a little bit more the way you see us. In astonishment and in awe. Amazed at the creation we are. Because you created us. Not because we created ourselves or the world created us, but because you created us, God. Thank you for this truth. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank <clears throat> you.